So we are going to uh, receive a, a word of encouragement this morning, and then we're going to go to the table and we'll be done this morning. We're so grateful for all of you being together and present, and we're very grateful to have our special guest with us this morning. And I am going to ask Pastor Sam to introduce her because he knows her even better than I, if you would. Thank you. Joe Saxton has been ministering around the world, really, starting in England and then coming to the States to take some of the stuff that even we've been talking about. I've learned a lot from her. She's been teaching at uh, different learning communities that I've been been able to participate in, and she's also pastoring right now or serving at North Heights Lutheran Church and um, is doing training around the country. She's been speaking at Catalyst and other conferences like that around the United States, but also um, doing ministry in England and here. So we're blessed to have her here, and I just want to welcome her. Come on up and let's pray, just blessing over her and her life. Thank you, Lord, for the ministry that you've called Joe to and the story that she brings and the, the, the way that you've used her around this country to uh, move people towards living out your mission. I want to pray that you would open our ears to hear what you have to say to us about your mission and how we can engage with you in your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. Now, I've heard you sing, and I've seen you dance, and that was very quiet. Good morning, everyone. It's an absolute privilege and honor to be with you this morning. As you can tell, I'm not from around here. Um, I was born in London. I'm messing with... uh, There we go. I was born in London, England. My parents are Nigerian, and um, I moved here with my husband about 10 years ago with um, our senior pastor from our church in, in England. And I'm now part of a movement called 3DM, um, which works with churches around the country, as um, Pastor Sam was just sharing, looking at how we can fulfill the Great Commission. Um, We have a big opportunity on our hands in terms of taking the gospel to all nations and all people groups, whether they are overseas or across the street. Um, And as you heard earlier, my husband and I, we both minister at North Heights, which is in Arden Hills, about 20 minutes from here. I, I still don't know my way around. I just know it was cold for a long time, <laughs> a, very, <laughs> a very long time. But we love being here. We are, I, I, I kept on thinking, I wish my husband wasn't working up at the church today because as a family, we're a mixed-race family, we would have adored being here. So you will see us again, whether we're invited or not, we are coming back <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be with you all. It's so much fun. It's like a glimpse of heaven, every tribe and every tongue. And so... Um, Very briefly, very briefly, I want to simply bring some words from Isaiah chapter 61, reminding us of why we're here, reminding us of what we're here, what we've discovered about Jesus together, and what we want to share about Jesus together. Now, I'm not very good with PowerPoint, so if it goes wrong, it's me, it's no one from your wonderful team. I'm just weak at this. So, whoa, that's a beautiful one, but that wasn't what I had. Try another I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm really sorry. Please, yay! Woo! Okay, <laughs> okay. Moving on. So Isaiah chapter 61. I'm going to read from verses one through seven. Isaiah chapter 61. Maybe these will be familiar words to all of us. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord, the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time 
of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, a festive praise instead of despair. We tasted that this morning, didn't we? In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. Foreigners will be your servants. They will feed your flocks and plow your fields and tend your vineyards. You will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will feed on the treasures of the nations and boast in their riches instead of shame and dishonor. You will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land. An everlasting joy will be yours. Isn't it wonderful, the word of God? Now, the thing I love, this is my favorite passage in the Bible, one that I've loved for many years. I became a Christian at the age of nine um, in my local church. My background, my family are are quite diverse. My grandfather was an imam, and my um, parents were into a number of religious things. And um, there was a children's ministry, not very dissimilar from your ministry here, that was passionate about the children in their community. And it was through that ministry that I heard the name of Jesus. I know that you were really celebrating your leaders, but I was nearly weeping watching them all because it was the likes of those people that discipled me as a child and led me to Jesus Christ. I love these words because they say so much to us. Isaiah was the first one who spoke these words. He was a man who prophesied who declared God's heart during the reign of four different kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. We read um, through Jewish traditions that he was martyred under the reign of Manasseh, and a king who'd walked far from the Lord. He writes in violent times, in dangerous times. Isaiah writes and prophesies and declares God's reality at a time when no one wants to know. Um, Many of the ancient saints would call him the fifth evangelist because um, you look at the book of Isaiah and it talks about Jesus so much, proclaims so much of Jesus. And the New Testament quotes Isaiah more than any other Old Testament prophet. These are significant words. They're significant again because what you and I will recall from Luke chapter 4, hundreds of years later from when Isaiah first shared these words, that on a Sabbath day, Jesus too shares these words. And this time he's speaking to people under Roman rule, living in dangerous times, violent times. People who have lost their sense of culture and identity, who have lost their homes, who have lost their land. A time of great frustration and suffering. And into that situation, Jesus proclaims words of life and light and hope and truth. Into this situation, he declares that these words have found their meaning in him, their reality, their fulfillment in him. And so what I simply want to do is remind us briefly what it means for you and I, but also what it means for us as believers as we go from this place. You see, we come to hear the word of the Lord to receive, but also to go, don't we? Because we are sent ones. We are sent ones. Wherever we go, bringing the light and the life of Jesus Christ. And so firstly, when we reflect upon these words for ourselves, when we reflect upon what this means, let's remind ourselves that Jesus left the splendor of heaven and entered a broken world 
to bring hope and light and life and healing to you and I. He left majesty. He left the glory of heaven, not so that you would observe him, but that you would know him. Not just so that you would hear about him, but that you would be rescued by him. Not that you would um, hear about him, but be delivered. I don't know what brokenness you come in with today, but know that your redeemer lives. I don't know what suffering, I don't know what suffering you've been through, but there is a suffering servant who comes alongside you. I don't know what hope and dis, um, hopelessness you've experienced or where despair stalks your life, where there are prayers that you're waiting for God to answer. Your God has not forgotten you. Your God has not forgotten you. For those of us who are, who are covered in guilt and shame, those of us who made mistakes and feel we still live with the consequences, your Redeemer lives. The cross is for you. And have you noticed it's empty? The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And he has the power to do that, what we can't do by ourselves. I don't know if you've tried to get it right for God. It's real painful, isn't it? (laughs) Gets old real quick. But the spirit of the sovereign Lord came upon our Savior. And he proclaimed good news, and he bound up broken hearts, and he came alongside those who were oppressed, and he set them free, and he still does that today. And he does that here today. And I would encourage you as you come to this place, as we gather as a family, I've adopted you, so you're my family too, as we gather as a family, that we would remember that. That when you've made a mistake, here is the place to run, not the place to hide from. When your life is empty and broken, here is the place to run to. Not to feel you're not good enough for. That's exactly why we're here. None of us are good enough. But he's a good and faithful and loving God. That's our first point for today. Our second one is looking, knowing that you and I have been saved, that you and I have been transformed, that you and I have been rescued, and we'll remember this as we come to the table together. We remember that we aren't just here to sing to him, although it's a privilege and a wonder, and it's a wonder to be led as we were today. But that not only are we meant to know him, we are designed to make him known. That there is a covenant relationship we're invited into, but there is a kingdom representation we are commissioned to in the world around us, yeah? And so the things I want us to remember is that you and I have been given a radical commission. A radical commission. You and I are called to change the world. Not in our strength, no, because that would be weird. Not in our strength, but in his power. His power. We represent the King of Kings. And so this radical commission means that we are not charging on our own initiative. And when Isaiah first spoke these words, although he was an eloquent man and the um, historians recognize he was of noble birth, it wasn't his education that sent him. It wasn't his eloquent words that sent him. It was the Spirit of God. And that's good news for you and I because we often feel inadequate in what we're called to do and be. I would ask you, Have you remembered that it's the Spirit that empowers you? The Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. And we know in the Greek text it's the present continuous. Be filled and go on being filled. What has God called you to? Invite the Spirit to empower you again today. 
We've been given a radical commission to make disciples of all nations, but that's a spirit-led commission. Have we invited the spirit to empower us? It's sovereign by design, and by that I mean, sometimes as we walk through life, we think our calling is ours to decide. We often take our life back into our hands and say, God, what would I like to do for you? These are my gifts. This is how I'd like to serve you. But actually, he has a calling. Is he allowed to be the Lord of all? Is he allowed to define us? Some of us may have been wrestling with what he's asked us to do for some time now. Good luck with that. There's a far far more fulfilling life when we walk in obedience and surrender to the king. Will we allow ourselves to allow him? (laughs) Will we surrender to the king of kings? And as I said before, we're commissioned to represent him. And friends, this is where it's really exciting. This is where it's really exciting. You and I have encountered and been given the words of eternal life. If we're commissioned to represent him, those words can be on our lips. That you and I could speak life to our neighbors. You and I could speak life to our family members. You and I can speak life at the grocery store, at the movie theater, at work, at school, wherever we are. God has given us a commission to speak words of life and tell people about the saving grace of God. It's an exciting thing. We've been called and sent to bind up the brokenhearted. Where are the broken hearts in your neighborhood? Where are the broken hearts? Go bind them up. You've been commissioned to do that in his name. We've been um, commissioned, given this radical commission to proclaim freedom for the captives. Do you know people who are bound by habits that have held them back and destroyed their families? Do you know people who are bound by patterns of thinking that lead them to destruction? Do you know people literally who are serving time for crimes they may or may not have committed? Did you know that Jesus wants to reach to every one of those? And that he sends us to be his hands and his feet in those situations by the Spirit of God, empowered by his Spirit. We get to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We get to proclaim that a Savior came and redefines history. We get to live that too. I think our world needs some jubilee. I think our society needs that kind of the forgiveness, the healing, the restoration, the redemption, the cleanup, the reset button that only Jesus Christ can give. And he has entrusted that radical, upside-down turning, life-changing, all-world-consuming call to you and I. Let's take it. We could do other stuff with our time. I mean, there's some great TV shows on in the fall, apparently. I always find summer television a bit interesting. But we could, we could do other things with our time, or we could get stuck into what God has asked us to do. I'm not saying don't watch television. I'm just saying get perspective on what the Lord has asked us in these days. So we're called, and we've been given a radical commission. We're also called to be, you and I, a renewing community. A renewing community. There is something about us as family that looks and smells and is different to the rest of the world. Why? Because Jesus is amongst us, isn't it? You remember in John chapter 13 when Jesus called the disciples to wipe one another's feet? That wasn't just a nice gesture. It was a model of something in that time where even a Jewish slave could refuse to do a male slave. It was seen as so vile. 
But Jesus said, you're meant to be the kind of community who will get into each other's lives and clean each other up and set them free. Redefine what relationships look like. Redefine um, equality. Redefine it all. Because I'm at the center of the community. Will you and I be people who are committed to the restoration of the broken? And we know, don't we, that that takes time. Takes time. It's not always one prayer meeting in. It may be a few years, but are we committed to that journey, to rebuild, to clean up? When we look at our lives as believers, whether it was only for a moment or for many years, there have been people who helped restore us. You may not remember the words they said, but you'll remember who they were. You'd remember the sacrifice of time they gave. You know that it's because of them. Yes, we know it's the Lord, but they were vessels of his glory. God's inviting you and I, as a church family, to be the same. He calls us to be, and he declares of his people that we're oaks of righteousness. And this is a funny word to declare over a broken people in exile, as Isaiah did. Or for, to be reminiscent for those people who listened to these words that Jesus began to share. These broken acorns and twigs, God saw something different. He saw strength as they would be rebuilt. They would take years to grow. But now they display the Lord's splendor. And you know what that means for us in this community? It means that we can be the kind of community where the vulnerable not only get um, healed and comforted, but they become so strong, no one would even recognize their story. Such is the redemption on their life. No one would recognize where they'd been because such was the glory of God flowing through who they were. And an ex- example of that would be the child of a broken home would learn how to, what family looked like through the family of believers around them. That a child who was raised in foster care like I was would discover what the family of God would be like and how to function because they were discipled through the example and the lives of the believers around them. Isn't that a wonderful calling? I had the privilege of going back to one of the churches we were at in, um, in England, a church in Sheffield, and I joined there at 20. And at that point, I'd never seen what a marriage had looked like just because of the stuff in, in my own background. And, I, and it was a wonder to be able to thank them and say, you have no idea how much you discipled me week on, week out, just seeing you still together. Just seeing you, how you spoke to your daughters, how you spoke to your sons. That's the kind of community we get to be. We get to illustrate what family can be. Now, we're not saying we're perfect. We're not saying we're perfect examples. We're saying we're living ones. And we're willing to be accessible enough. Maybe an extra plate at the table, extra invitation, extra opportunity to welcome people so that they can, yes, start as acorns, but grow into oaks of righteousness. Will we be that kind of community? And we know, doesn't it, that we, well, if we're going to be that kind of community, a renewing community, that it, we will need to dig deep to build something. I wonder where the Lord, simply put, is asking you to dig deep. Does he want some more time in your schedule? We're real busy, aren't we? But sometimes we're too busy or busy on things that aren't helpful. Have we got time in our schedules, in our hearts? Sometimes the busyness isn't in our schedule, it's in our minds or our hearts. 
we protect ourselves and keep people at a distance because we'd hate them to see how, well, how imperfect our homes were. We won't have anybody over to nurture and disciple them because our houses don't look like Martha Stewart's or something on TV or like Pinterest or something strange. And we close the doors to a lifetime of opportunity and discipleship and mission. Open the doors, friends. Because the life that you give is far better than can be pinned on a Pinterest board or seen on daytime TV. Words of eternal life. That's what we get to share. And finally, we have a call. A call to rebuild the cities. A call to rebuild the cities. Let me read those verses again. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Where's devastated near you? Where are the ruins in the Twin Cities? Because that's where the Lord is sending us. Are there ruined communities, ruined schools, ruined businesses? Maybe for some of us it's in the workplace that we need to rebuild ethical behavior. Maybe it's in our neighborhoods. We need to restore a sense of community again in his name. Maybe there are entire neighborhoods which the world has forgotten. And we've been called to rebuild the ancient ruins. Will we go? Will we go? When, um, before my husband and I moved here, we lived in Phoenix. We seemed to like doing extreme temperatures. And um, we, were, we were at a church in downtown Phoenix. And um, we, we were passion, we're just passionate about seeing people know the Lord. And so we were looking at ways in which we could reach out and find anybody who would stick around longing us for us to tell about Jesus. And um, because we were in Phoenix, our particular passion and our hunger was to minister amongst the Hispanic community. That they were a people that the Lord had laid in our heart, and we just we didn't know anything. We just thought Jesus. So as we began to move into the particular neighborhoods, we were taking on board these words from Luke chapter 10, where Jesus tells you to look for the person of peace, the one who's open to you, who welcomes you, who serves you, to look for them. And it so happened for us that our person of peace was a young man who opened the door when my husband knocked on the door and said, you know what, I've been waiting for you. And Chris, Chris, my husband, says, no, obviously we've not met before. (laughs) Um, We've not met before. My name is Chris. I'm a pastor in the local community. Um, And he said, no, I've just come to the country, but I've been waiting for you. And Chris is like, how does an Englishman say welcome to America? It just doesn't feel like authentic. But anyway... He's the, so he says, no, you don't understand. He said, no, you don't understand. This young man, um, a friend of ours called Kumar, who's from Bhutan, and he had, um, when he'd, he'd been on a plane at one point, and he'd been talking to a Christian on a plane, just telling him about Jesus. And he thought, hmm, there's something about them. There's a, there's a lesson for us all on a plane. And um, then he was watching a Christian radio TV station, and they'd said, if you want someone to come to your house, pray, and God will send somebody. Um, which threw us quite a bit. And then he said, so see, I've been waiting for you. Tell me. And he introduced us to his entire family, and his extended family, a number who'd, who'd recently arrived in the States, maybe some had been there only two weeks. 
and we offered opportunity for prayer and friendship there. And, and as I said, they became our family. Our church changed in ethnicity and color overnight, and it was glorious. Oh, it was amazing to see people hear the name of Jesus afresh or anew and discover his love. There were places in our city people had forgotten and abandoned, and it's exactly where the gospel needed to be. And for some of us, that may be the devastated places might look quite physical. Some of us may live in wealthy areas, and we see a different kind of devastation. But I still ask you, what part, uh, what part of the long, devastated city is God calling you to today? And where has been ruined for generations? Because, you know, for us as Christians, it's not for us to say, oh, no. It's for us to roll up our sleeves and say, let's go. It's not for us to stand and judge and be disappointed. Rather than us to see a huge obstacle, it's for us to see a huge opportunity. And so when we look at the Twin Cities, we have a very big opportunity. The Lord has given us twins to minister to. And so I'll end with this simple thought. You and I have been sent to the cities. The Great Commission is for us all. These words spoken first by Isaiah, spoken again by Jesus, this call that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on us, is for us. And now it's our turn. As we celebrate together, as we worship together, as we recognize the leaders amongst us, I ask you this, what is God saying to you today? And then, what are you going to do about it? Let's take a moment to pray together and then I'll hand over back to our pastors. Father God, we thank you for the privilege of knowing your name. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that it's your name by which we're saved. We thank you that um, no burden is too great, no sin too deep, no distance too wide for you to reach to us. And Lord, we ask, reach for us again. Lord, we pray that by the power of your spirit, we would know your radical commission. Lord, we pray by the power of your spirit that we would live as a renewed community. And Lord, we ask under your grace, in your timing, but ultimately in your power, that you would show us how to rebuild the cities. We ask this in your name, for your glory and yours alone, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. This morning, we have the privilege of completing our service together at the table. Joe has already done a marvelous job of bringing us to this table reminding us of its purpose. This bread represents for us the body of Christ, which has been broken, that we may be healed. It has become to us the bread of life. This cup reminds us of the blood of Christ shed for us. It has become representing to us the cup of salvation. This table means come, this table means go. We come to the table to receive of the elements and then in that remembrance we are reminded that we are called to go to the nations, to the cities, to the ruined and broken places. We've already heard the word of the Lord from Isaiah 61. Let that be the backdrop today. 
It says in 1 Corinthians 11.31, but if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. He says, I'm sorry, I wanted to start actually earlier, verse 27. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. This is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. This morning, all are welcome at this table. We simply ask you to follow and examine as the Lord requires us to do. To recognize the body of Christ. To honor the body of Christ. How do we honor the Lord? By being obedient to what he has said. How do we honor the Lord? By going and doing what he has called us to do. And by remembering and honoring the body of Christ. We are the body. Look around you. This is the body. We are to remember this morning together. Hallelujah. Jesus, you are greatly to be praised. You are worthy. And now I pray that this day you may be filled afresh with the immeasurable love of God the Father. With the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son. With the inexhaustible strength, power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit. Be with you and yours. As you go from this house to yours. Sent to make disciples of all nations. Go with the banner of his favor over your life. And until we gather again either in this house or in our eternal home. I pray that the love and mercy and goodness of God will chase you down every day of your life. In his name and all God's people say it. Amen, amen, amen. Amen.